Hi, welcome to Talk About the Passion. I'm your host, Christian Campagna, and this is episode 66, No Tolerance for Silence. And today I'm talking to Josh Welshman. Josh is the singer of the death metal band Defeated Sanity. The title of this episode comes from the title of a Circle of Dead Children song. Since Josh talks about the importance of their record Human Harvest on this episode, it made sense. In this episode, we talk about him being a fan of the band Defeated Sanity and eventually becoming their singer. He's been in the band for quite some time now and uh, is finally on their newest record, The Sanguinary Impetus. One of the things this podcast has been good for uh, getting me back into is uh, the art of, uh, you know, listening to music, you know, putting a record on and putting your phone in the other room and, you know, holding the record and, and just absorbing the music. Um, but, you know, the last few years, I basically have been absorbing music by listening to it at work, usually on shuffle and basically in the background. This uh, new Defeated Sanity record, I listened to it work a few times before I had this uh, conversation with Josh. And, you know, I recognized the heaviness and, and technicality of the, the music, uh, but wasn't hearing what I heard when I finally sat with it at home a number of times uh, since we spoke here. It's, you know, this like 35-minute journey of brutal death metal that just takes you on this uh, cacophonous journey that opens up, at least for me, a little more each time I listen to it. Um, I was never the biggest fan of this style of metal, but, you know, call me a fan now. I've gone down the rabbit hole of them as well as uh, some of the band jo bands Josh talks about on here, like uh, Disgorge and Circle of Dead Children. Uh, you know, I love learning about different branches of metal and underground music, so this was uh, a cool conversation to have. You can buy their new record uh, on their Bandcamp page, which is defeatedsanity.bandcamp. Uh, they have a bunch of merchandise uh, there right now. Uh, I just bought this new record on vinyl uh, like an hour before I uh, started recording this. Um, so I'm excited to hear it on that format and, you know, hold that in my hand and all that fun stuff. Uh, aside from the fact that, you know, you should just generally buy music from bands uh, you like with these guys... Uh, as you'll hear on this episode, they had a tour with Origin and Beneath the Massacre cut short in March of 2020 after uh, just four shows uh, because of the pandemic, obviously. Uh, the last show was literally March 15th, which, as you know, was you know pretty much the, the, the day everything stopped. Uh, so it feels nice to throw some money at a band who you know lost out on a whole tour's uh, worth of merch sales. Uh, with that said, let's get this episode going. Uh, but first, uh, if you like what you hear here, subscribe, uh, give a rating, tell your friends, all that kind of stuff. I appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and I keep those uh, updated. Well then, here we go. Episode 66. This is uh, Josh Welshman, and uh, thank you for listening. here with uh josh welshman how you doing man i'm doing well how about yourself man very good well when we're probably about three thousand miles apart so i'm technically not here with you um, <laughs> but you you grew up uh back east here so uh, where, where did you grow up um i grew up in rhode island and uh i spent most of my life there and then eventually i went to uh, i moved to connecticut and i was there for about four years for college 
And then right after college, I ended up living in New York for about six years uh, to kind of start my career as a sound engineer and a producer. And now I live in Washington, nice. all the way across the country. <laughs> so. Nice. I can't seem to stay still for more than five years is the, is the trend. Yeah, I know. I've, I've gone back and forth between the, the east and the west a few times in the last few years. So It's a nice contrast, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so growing up in, in Rhode Island, how, how young were you when you got into music? Uh, well, I was, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I've been into music since I think my memory can even serve me. Yeah. Um, but in all different capacities, you know, when I was younger, you know, uh, I want to say some of my first records that I ever got a hold of were, uh, Drowning Pool was one of them. Yeah. Um, and then I eventually moved on to Corn, which Corn yeah. was a big band for me when I was a kid. Right. Um, Corn and Slipknot, yeah. of course. Um, I kind of, as far as the, you know, the the heavy metal tradition of you know starting ba- starting with bands like Black Sabbath, you know, right. um, you know, a lot of a lot of the older the generation before me yeah. uh, kind of got their start with Black Sabbath and doing the '80s thing first, yeah. and then kind of getting into heavier stuff from there, but. When I was younger, the stuff that was in at the time was just that, like, you know, the um, almost like the, the hard rock movement of like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think like Papa Roach, like the, the yeah, VH1 can... MTV stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I ended up being exposed to. And that kind of showed me and introduced me to the ex- extreme, you know, extreme music right, as far right. as that goes. Yeah. But um, and kind of the rabbit hole started there. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think I, I you're, I think I probably about twenty years older than you. So my, uh, the stuff I grew up on was like, yeah, same stuff like the eighties, uh, Sabbath, right. and Maiden, and that stuff. And, and it, it must have been hard not to be a part of that movement because I mean, especially if you were into rock music, it was just such yeah. a powerful time for yeah. rock and heavy metal music back in the eighties, late seventies. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it bums me out too when guys my age are like give younger people shit for you know like like that like corn you know someone would be like oh they got the corn well like if that was the band when they were young it, it and it had the same effect as them seeing that band as me seeing iron maiden when i was like 15 what's what's the difference you know right so yeah that, that kind of attitude always uh, is totally silly to me um yeah and i mean it's it, and for people like me like you know like the the 90s kids who were uh I mean, for me, it was like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I had kind of gotten introduced to just by means of, you know, just the media. Well, not the media, but, you know, just that's the kind of stuff I was exposed to. And then upon listening to that stuff and getting more and more into heavy metal music is when I started to be like, oh, like, where did this come from? And then you you find out about Black Sabbath, Maiden, you know, Judas Priest, all that kind of great stuff. Yeah. Um, So it's cool. And it's it's great to just kind of follow the timeline and see how it's evolved. Cause I mean, nowadays you can write a book on, I mean, there's plenty of books on it, but you could write a friggin', you know, a friggin' giant manuscript of all the sub genres that have spawned oh, yeah. from heavy metal music, you know, yeah, it's nuts, right? Um, it's wild. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so when you, when you went to call, do you, do you remember, actually, do you remember your, the first, uh, live shows that you saw as a, as a kid how, how young were you um i'm trying to remember so <laughs> it's funny actually one of my first concerts and uh um my girlfriend kendra and tanya 
got a good crack out of this one was one of my first concerts was Cher. Oh yeah. Which I am not ashamed to admit was badass. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad. That's actually yeah. Cher's great. Yeah. I don't care. I don't yeah. care who's listening to this. Right, Cher's right. great. Um, <clears throat> but as far as rock music goes, uh, Judas Priest. Yeah. I saw when I was in I think like fourth or fifth grade. I want to say. Okay. Um, nice. and that was life changing. That was just wow. Yeah. Crazy show. That's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I would say. Yeah. And then, uh, sort of like underground stuff. Did you, did you start going into that? Like the more extreme stuff where the like smaller shows. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, I kind of dove down the rabbit hole pretty quickly. I would say, you know, I was in elementary school when I started really diving into, um, extreme music. Um, as far as, again, going back to like corn and slipknot and stuff like that, that was like, yeah, I was a kid. I was in like third or fourth grade, like, you know, still like having or going out for recess and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, by fifth or sixth grade transitioning into middle school, I had already gotten into cannibal corpse. I got my first cannibal corpse and that's, uh, that's kind of a pivotal point for me was, uh, I found live cannibalism. It's a live oh, yeah, recording yeah. from cannibal corpse. Yeah. I still stand by it. It's one of their best one of the best things they've ever put out. Yeah, the, 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 but the, I got that. I, I was in a record store. It was uh, Strawberries oh, yeah. in Warwick, yeah, um, on Bald Hill Road, and uh, I was just walking around. I, w- I was there with my mom, and uh, I was just walking through, and I saw the cover to that album. It was just front of the, you know, like you're just walking through. It's like right there. Yeah, and I was like, what is this? And I just sat there and looked at it for like ten minutes. I was like what is this? And I got it. I somehow I, I convinced my mom to get it for me. She didn't um, see the song titles. I, I and, uh, yeah, I, I don't think she looked at the song titles, <laughs> but, uh, I think that might've changed my entire, uh, life, uh, yeah, trajectory <laughs> if she had. But, uh, <laughs> when I heard that album and I heard just, and, and particularly the first thing that stuck out to me was, you guessed it, the vocals, Yeah. um, being a vocalist myself. So right. I was like, I was completely captivated by what was happening with that because I had never heard any. I mean, again, there, there's extreme vocals in a lot of the music I had listened to up to that point, but yeah. Cannibal Corpse was something different, oh, and yeah. that was something I had never heard before. Yeah. And from that point on, I, that's that's where the you know the pit opened up that I just dove right into. Yeah. Um. So and then I kind of moved on from there, and of course found all the all the best cannibal corpse albums yeah. had to get into that and then very quickly dove right into the underground stuff i was like okay this is extreme i need more extreme i need like the craziest sounding vocal i, I want to hear crazier vocals than this you know yeah, yeah. i just want to see what you know what depths can the human voice reach <laughs> you know yeah, yeah and uh um and then yeah from that point very quickly it moved on to bands like dying fetus mm-hmm. Um, Circle of Dead Children, which is a band not many people know of, but yeah, like a grind, fantastic band, like a grind band, I think. Yeah, they're yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, uh, like death, uh, like kind of like brutal death metal grindcore yeah. uh, marriage nice. that they had going on. But uh, yeah, I, I found them. I found a used record of theirs at a uh, Newberry Comics. I think at the in Providence somewhere. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh my. God, the album was called Human Harvest, and I actually talked. I did a podcast probably like four or five months ago. Um, I can't remember with who, but uh, 
where we basically just talked about that album for like 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. I, I could sit and talk about how much of an inf- uh, of an impact that album had yeah. on me for hours. It's and I still to this day I'll just put it on, listen to the whole thing, and just be like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the best friggin' That's one of the most extreme things I've ever heard in my yeah. life. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. So, what I, are some of your other uh, like life changing records? You know, the, the, you know, the Cannibal Corpse live record. That one definitely live cannibalism. That was yeah. Again, that was like kind of the pivotal point for me that kind of steered me right into the death metal yeah. realm and then uh tomb of the mutilated yeah by camp corpse that's still t- probably my favorite death metal album yeah i would probably say because you know i'll go months like listening to a whole bunch of different stuff and then i'll put tomb of the mutilated back on and yeah that's like, I kinda, I, I, like a lot of other stuff i listen to i just kind of forget about i'm like yeah. this is, this does it you know yeah nice. they did it first and they set the bar so high you know yeah um, Butchered at Birth, also very close behind Tomb of the oh, Mutilated. Yeah. yeah. Very common debate I have with my bandmates and people on the road is, oh, what's the best Cannibal Corpse album? Yeah. And most people say Butchered at Birth, and I'm like, nah, Tomb of the Mutilated. Yeah, Tomb of, I think I think Tomb of the Mutilated is my uh, my favorite. Are you, are you a fan? I of... think it's grimier. It has it, it's I don't know. There's something about the the songwriting on it that's just grimier, and the I mean, it's it's just so. I mean, Butchered at Birth is provocative, don't get me wrong, but right. Tomb of the Mutilated, I think, kicked it up just even a half of a notch. But yeah. even that, for back in the day, for what that was, oh, yeah, that was time. enough to just send people, like, <laughs> totally, like, batshit crazy oh, over yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so Tomb of the Mutilated, definitely up there. Um, and then, I'm almost ashamed to admit it being... Uh, in the brutal death metal scene, but it took me a long time to actually get into Disgorge, which Disgorge are probably oh, yeah. the pinnacle of the brutal death metal scene in the right. California death metal movement. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had bought my first uh, Disgorge albums. I bought Cranial Impalement and She Lay Gutted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say I was I was probably in middle school then too, and I had gotten those and I liked them. Yeah, but it, I wasn't like super crazy about them at the time. The, the vocals, of course. Um, cause Matty Way is one of the best vocalists right. of all time in the, as far as death metal goes, but I don't know. I, I guess I w- it was just at a point in my life musically where it didn't kind of, I guess it didn't click with me the same way it does now. Right. But, um, I still liked it. I'm not going to say like, Oh, I bought it and I hated it and put right. it on the shelf for 10 years and then picked it up and <laughs> had this like revelation. But, uh, I, the revelation came for me with this gorge with consume the forsaken. Yeah. Um, and that is, again, top three, pro- very close behind uh, Tomb of the Mutilated. Because that is where where Tomb of the Mutilated, to me, is just grimy, like disgusting, like like just gross death metal at its finest. Disgorge, Consume the Forsaken, is like pissed off, aggressive death metal. It's just different than, uh, than Cannibal Corpse ever did it, you know? Yeah. It's faster, it's just, it's meaner, yeah. it's just... It just sounds so pissed off. You just want to hit something when you listen to that album. <laughs> I'll have to. Uh, I'm not that familiar with them, so I'll, I'll have to. Uh, oh, that's a great one. That yeah. that one. That's one of those, those albums definitely changed my life. And um, and also AJ's vocals on that album were a very big inspiration to me as well. Because up to that point, it was more so about like, oh, who can do like the deepest gutturals and like just right. go the lowest and stuff. <laughs> and while his vocals on that album are deep and they are guttural in their own way. 
they're more so just mean and aggressive and yeah. just pissed off sounding. And it was just different than anybody else that I had heard. So nice. I even like kind of used the way that he approached vocals alongside some of my other influences to kind of try to form how I wanted to portray my own voice, you know? Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I, I try to employ a, a hybrid technique to, I guess, just bringing in, lots I don't know, of hit, hit all of the, yeah, hit all of the marks that I want to hear as a listener. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, I'm a death metal is my favorite kind of music Right. at the end of the day. So, I'm always thinking of it as a listener when I'm also creating. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Um, so as far as creating, when did you start? Do you play instruments as, as well as uh, singing? Yeah, so it's funny. Um, I mean, for a short introduction to how I got into Defeated Sanity, uh, again, another album, uh, a pivotal album for me was Chapters of Repugnance by Defeated Sanity. Yeah. I was a huge Defeated Sanity fan before I joined the band for years. Oh, nice. Um and uh, when that album came out, it was it blew me away. Just the technicality, but also the aggressiveness. And also had AJ from Consume the Forsaken on vocals oh, okay. on Chapters of Repugnance, too. So nice. just absolutely powerhouse of an album. Yeah. And I was hooked at that point. Yeah. Um, so at that time, around when that album came out, um, also to answer your other question, I do play instruments. I play, um, I play a bit of piano. I play guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played much of them self-admittedly as much as I would like to. Right. But, uh, so around that time, it was around when I was in, I mean, I was in bands in high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I did vocals in a, in a band called death Haven, but okay. it was more like death core stuff. Yeah. Um, cause that was the, that was the thing back in the day. And, uh, yeah. I was also really into that stuff at the time. And I still say that a lot of the albums coming out around then, like the first white chapel is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the early, earlier despised icon stuff, mm-hmm. Beneath the Massacre, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I love a lot of that stuff, honestly. It's yeah. A lot of the newer, uh, I mean, I hate to be that guy who just says right. the newer stuff not as good, but yeah. it, I don't know. It's uh, To me, a lot of the Deathcore stuff's just been said and done so well in the past that, like, there's I don't know. Nobody, nobody has really done it for me since then. Yeah. But, uh, not much. So I, I, I was in bands like that, um, playing that sort of stuff in high school. In middle school, I started doing vocals when I was in, uh, I want to say like sixth grade elementary school going into middle school. Yeah. So it's been a long time coming, like forming my voice and trying to get it to go deeper and, right. you know, coming up with different techniques and stuff like that. And also just trying to come up with vocal styles to fit into different, you know, subgenres of death metal. Right. Um, but, uh, so yeah, at that point, um, so up through high school, I was doing bands like that. And then, uh, I kind of dove deeper into the brutal death metal stuff. Um, which another album that I heard that steered me into the death, uh, brutal death metal realm was uh putrid pile. Um, the pleasure and suffering. Okay. Cause that was the point where I realized I was like, Oh man, there's like, there's like a whole like plethora of this stuff. And then I realized that there was a whole brutal death metal scene of bands that like did this kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, this is like, this is like literally, this music was made for me kind of a thing, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so at that point <clears throat> I played, uh, I played guitar for a bit. And uh, so I just started like writing stuff and I, ca- I basically came up with my own little solo project where I used a drum machine 
um, played guitar, did vocals, um, much like Future Pile. Future Pile is a one-man band. Right. Um, and that was like my inspiration to do that at the time because I was like, oh, man, like there's like like just one dude like doing everything and putting out this freaking amazing album. I have to do that. Um, so I started a project that was called Autonomy. Okay. And uh, I had put out – I never put out a full record – in that with that project but uh i put out an ep of was five songs uh through savard records mm-hmm. um guy's name is barrett he's uh he's up in Ro- rochester is one of the one of the bigger labels in uh in the underground death metal scene okay but um so that also that whole process exposed me to a lot of people at mm-hmm. the time um i started meeting people in the scene and uh kind of you know, swapping records like, oh, here I got, I just put this out through uh, Savard Records, um, and people would like trade me, you know, and send me their record, and I'd right. send them mine, and I just got to meet a lot of people that way and kind of get into the scene at that point. Um, and then I would say, as at which point I went off to college in 2010, so this was basically around that time. Yeah, and then. Uh, Probably like 2011, I kind of like fizzled out because I really started focusing on on my schoolwork and stuff like that. Right. So fast forward to 2014, Mm -hmm. it was when I had gotten the call, which I had actually talked to uh, Lily from from Defeated had hit me up like, I don't know, I want to say maybe like sometime in like 2000. Uh, 2013, something like that. Um, because he had heard my music and he was a fan and he liked my voice. Oh, nice. Um, so at that point, and I had also put a, a cover video up on YouTube. Yeah. Um, of a defeated sanity song, uh, oh, consumed by repugnance from uh, chapters of repugnance. Um, so I had that up on YouTube for I think a couple of months, and he had hit me up because he was impressed with it. Actually, um, he he was impressed with the that I was able to keep up with the complexities of the music because of course a lot of, uh, a lot of vocalists aren't quite that musically inclined to be able to follow such intricate music. Right. Um, it, at least to follow it along in such a way that the vocal contributes rhythmically to the music, as opposed to just kind of like gurgling on top of it. Like you kind of hear in a lot of gore grind stuff, mm-hmm. but um, so he was impressed and he sent me, uh, like a rough instrumental bounce of another song, uh, Blissfully Exsanguinated, off of Chapters of Repugnance, and he wanted to hear me do that song because uh, he felt that that song had some of the more complicated rhythms, uh, vocally speaking. Nice. So he wanted to see if I could pull that one off, so I did a cover and sent it to him, and he was like, oh man, this is awesome. He's like, if I ever need a fill-in, I'll, I'll hit you up. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> so... And this was probably like 2012, 2013 at the time. Right. Um, maybe even earlier. I can't even remember at this point. But uh, so then fast forward, it's uh, 2014, sometime in the late summer, fall around then. And uh, he hit me up. I was living in New York at the time. I had started working at a at a studio in Manhattan. And uh, Lily hits me up out of the blue. He's like, hey. So we have a U.S. tour planned, and uh, our current singer, Connie, he's leaving the band, um, and he can't do this tour. So would you want to step in and do this tour with us? And I was like, hell yeah. (laughs) So I just basically dropped everything uh, at that point and was like, yeah, I'm going to go on tour with 
with this band that I've been a fan of for years, you know. Right. I was like, this is just crazy. And I, I, at first, I didn't really expect anything to come of it, really. Right. I thought I was just going to do the tour and potentially, like, you know, like they'd find somebody else that, like, would do the job and uh, carry the band on at that point. Right. Um, but uh, so while I was, pre- I was, I, I had probably like four or five months to prepare the set, learn all the songs. And uh, then we set out, I think it was in the, uh, I can't remember what month it was. I think it was June, maybe July actually yep. of 2015 was the first tour I did with them. It was a mainly Western U.S. tour. Yeah. So we did, I think like the Midwest and the West Coast. Nice. Um, and it was like, uh, I want to say it was like three weeks. Um, and uh it just became clear after like the first like week of shows that the fans were like really digging like what I was bringing to the table and just like the the feedback I was getting from from people after the shows was really overwhelming. Yeah. Nice. Um, same from the guys from the from the band and they were always welcoming right at the start but yeah. you know after the first set of shows like Louie was really impressed and I just got along with everybody really well and so once that tour got came to an end you know we we all left on good terms and we were like yeah we'll keep in touch and stuff like that and then i got the second call to go to um i think the next gig i had with them was in switzerland actually oh wow it was a festival it was a, it was a small little like festival that was being put on in a town called zug okay and uh i can't remember who was on it at the time i know um there was a band called cerebral effusion on it yeah um and i can't remember who else but that was my first international travel ever nice. um so i had flown to berlin to rehearse with the guys um, because they were all Berlin-based at the time, or Germany-based at the time, at least. And uh, so, yeah, we met up in Berlin. We rehearsed for a few days and went to the show in Switzerland, played. It was awesome. Nice. From that point on, I just kind of became the regular. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, fast forward, I think it was probably like a year and a half later, maybe two years, actually, until I was an official member of the band. I had just been a fill-in up to that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, yeah, it, it all escalated so quickly. I almost didn't even know what happened. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> That's crazy. So, <laughs> so before that first tour, when you said preparing, so you're obviously learning the the lyrics and mm-hmm. singing by yourself, or are you doing any kind of uh, like remote it, rehearsing or anything like that? I guess it's not really. Um, not so much. So the way that I had prepared for that tour was I had the. We had the set list already figured out, the you know the show order, uh, the show order, and all that kind of stuff. So I just made a playlist um, and I just went through it pretty much every day. Um, and eventually, uh, when it kind of got closer, I would basically send Lily videos of me doing the set um, with the music playing in the background, and I would have like a mic hooked up right. so that I could you know stand above it. Yeah. But. Uh, and he would let me know if there was anything that he wanted me to tweak as far as tone or timing or anything like that. Nice. And uh, and then when uh, when the time came for the actual tour, we ended up meeting in California a few days before the first show. Yeah. Um, we met at uh, this guy. His name is Matt Kilner. Actually, yeah. we met at his house. Um, he's in the band uh, Iniquitous Deep. Okay. Another really really good underground band. Um, and we met at his place and we had, I think, two, maybe three days there. Um, we rehearsed a good handful of times and, you know, just kind of worked out all the kinks. And that was the first time I actually played with them. So it was pretty surreal. 
Yeah. So and it's funny because I have like I have a short little video somewhere. I have to find it of us playing. Um, like basically like the first song of my first time playing with them. And it was it's just awesome. Yeah, that has to be awesome uh, time. Nice to, to, to watch. And, and so the first time you you go out on stage with them, how big of a, a venue are you, are you playing? Oh, it was a tiny little shithole. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it was a little shithole. It was in um, the first show was in uh, it was in California, like Northern California. Yeah. I can't for the life of me. I think it was just in Sacramento, but okay. it might have been out in like the in the suburbs somewhere where it, it's like a it's like a different town name, but it's like basically Sacramento. Right. Right. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's where it was, and it was just in this like little tiny club. There was no stage, you know. Right. Some of the, the honestly, those are some of my favorite shows. A lot of the time, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love right I love floor shows where you know you're like right on at level with the crowd. Yeah, those are always my favorites. Honestly, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it was. I think it was a good turnout. Probably like, I don't know, maybe a hundred people. Yeah, nice. hundred twenty something like that at that first show. I want to say, um, and we were headlining too. That was a headlining tour for yeah. Defeated. And we were on with, uh, at the time, I think it was us, and it was a Colorado band uh, called Skinned. Okay. They've been around for a long time. Nice. Um, and uh, who else was on that tour with us? Uh, Carnivore de Procipus. Okay. They're from uh, Columbia. Brutal death metal band. Really cool guys. Great band, too. Nice. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, that first show was kind of, it was, it was funny. Just yeah, really kind of like a little shithole place, but it was a great show, great yeah. first show. And and so, what are you feeling right before you go on stage? Nervous? Uh, I mean, like I was nervous, but I I was nervous and I was excited. I wasn't that nervous because I knew I was pretty solid with the set. Yeah. I didn't. I wasn't worried about like really screwing anything up as much as I was just like you know stage fright. I hadn't played a show at that point in years, right? Since high school, really. Um, so it'd been at least five years since I was on any, uh, on stage at any capacity really. Right. And so for, for someone listening that doesn't really know the, the style of metal, uh, your band plays, you know, how, how would you describe it as I've seen it described as technical death metal or. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just... I mean, it kind of, it, I think, I mean, I think I've always thought defeated sanity was kind of beyond defining within the bounds of one genre really but i mean it's a brutal death metal just death metal at right. its core yeah at the core, um yeah. i i'm i'm honestly like one of those who hates like the all the, the sub-genres sub yeah. you know yeah. like i like people ask me i'm in a death metal band right unless it's somebody who listens to death metal who can like re right. like relay what i mean when i say brutal death metal. yeah sometimes you I mean, have all to... death metal is brutal yeah you know? that's sometimes you have to just drill down it, yeah it's an innate characteristic of the music but you know, brutal death metal just takes it that step further, and defeated definitely in that in that school. Yeah. But um, definitely, as far as the technical aspects of it and the progressive aspects of it, um, defeated definitely kind of stretches the borders of brutal death metal to reach beyond into you know technical death metal. And uh, I mean, even with some of the stuff that Lily's written, he kind of stretches almost into like the old school like death and cynic yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. The really kind of obscure death metal yeah i got um, to see cynic a few years ago they, they oh nice that must have been great yeah yeah they were great um and uh yeah so but, i yeah, mean like yeah defeated that at, at, at its core is a brutal death metal band but yeah. 
know, you never know what we're going to come up, come up with next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that scene, like you were saying, where, you know, when you first started getting into it, almost sounds similar to, you know, when you hear about how thrash metal, you, you know, became popular with kids, they just all sort of traded music and it was sort of like a network of people mm -hmm. and there's, you know. Oh yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing when records become currency. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like just records themselves when it's not money involved, you know, people just trade, trade albums. Yeah. They just want the There's music. something beautiful about that. That's kind of like a dying art as far as, I mean, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say it's a dying art because who knows what the kids are doing these days. Right. right. But, um, yeah. I mean, you know, we've all grown and have bills to pay, so we can't, you know, continue to live in that form of uh, an economy, if right. you will. Yeah. But I, I think people like us that are really into music, uh, you know, want to make sure that like the the art form of like a, a full record and, and that kind of thing and the whole package. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely that. still, I'm still for that. Like, I like to own things, like, as yeah. far as music goes. Like, it's not enough to just listen to it, like, from some, like, from a, some other dimension just coming from a, a streaming source, you know. I like yeah. to, like, yeah. be able to follow lyrics. I like to be able to look, oh, who produced this, you know, yeah. just being me as a geek, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, we're all geeks if we're, yeah. into, anybody into music is a geek. I don't care who you are. You're <laughs> somewhat of a geek, and that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Be a geek. <laughs> yeah, I've been using like I'll use the streaming for new releases, and and then I'll kind of see what I like, and then I'll go buy stuff. And this year has been actually good for a yeah. lot of like the classic bands, like Incantation put out a really good record. And uh, oh yeah, they did. Uh, Napalm Death. Yeah, it's a great record. Benediction. Uh, Testament. I'm yet to hear the new Napalm Death. Actually, I feel like yeah, I'm falling good. behind. Yeah, I've heard I've heard really good things actually. Yeah. And then there, there's some bands I, I discovered because I've been getting more into sort of the underground, I guess it would be more almost like traditional death metal. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's, there's been a few uh, cool records that I've uh, found this year that have uh, mm -hmm. gone out and Did bought, you hear so. that? Uh, are you into that uh, Blood Incantation? Yeah. You know those yeah, guys? Yeah. Yeah, great yeah, band. Great cool dude too. Yeah. Um, what was the other one I got? Um, Ulther. U Alter? Uh, Alter, U-L-T-H-A-R. Uh, oh, I'm really not familiar. Good. Yeah. Make really me think cool. of Ulver. Yeah, black yeah, metal Ulver, band. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Necrot, I, I, I liked. I thought that oh, was I've heard of Necrot. Yeah. I'm not familiar with their music so yeah. much, though. Yeah, I bought I their would, record. I don't think. So, yeah. Truth be told, I'm a little behind, actually. Um, <laughs> I tend to go into these phases of, like, I just listen to my favorites for, like, months on end. Yeah, yeah. Don't really... I'm not in discovery mode. I feel yeah. like discovery mode comes for me in the spring. <laughs> yeah, a lot of you times know, too. Five, when all new life is blooming. <laughs> yeah, or like five years later after my friends tell me yeah. about something. I'm like, yeah, I finally got around to listening to that record. It is good. <laughs> I'll always listen to new albums from bands that I anticipate. Yeah. Um, you know, like the new Incantation I knew was coming out, so yeah. of course I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Um, and wasn't disappointed. Yeah, yeah, um, that's great. And stuff like that, like Blood Incantation, same thing. When their new album came out, I was ready for it. Yeah. That's a good album to just uh, get high and and fucking... It's it's just out there. The, oh, yeah, definitely. That's good stuff. Um, so, you put out this the new record is the first record that you appear on with them. Mm-hmm. 
Unless you count the re-release of chapters where there was a couple of bonus tracks that I did, but I don't even count that. Yeah, okay. And uh, so when was this record recorded? Um, This new one. So we... It's kind of... So it was was kind of a hybrid approach with this one because it it was done in multiple stages at different places. So... I want to say it was last summer, so summer of 2019, um, they started recording. Jacob and Lily were in uh, L.A. with Mike Heller from Malignancy. He has a small studio. Okay. Um, And uh, they did the drums and bass there together. Um, They were there for, I think, like a week, week and a half Mm -hmm. where they did the whole thing. Um, So they did the whole album, uh, drums and bass. And then Lily went back to Berlin. Lily played guitars on this album because Christian unfortunately left before we started tracking. Uh, um, so Lily played guitars on this album. So he went back to Berlin um, and tracked, I think, with uh, a friend of ours named Norbert. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I want to say that was sometime late summer, fall. And then uh, from that point on, I think it was just kind of the album's not heavily edited, but I mean, you know, there was a few comps that needed to be made and stuff like that. And that right. was all done over a couple of months. Um, and just getting it ready for, uh, doing vocals and mixing. Yeah. So we went to, um, we went to Colin Marston's place from, uh, Dysrhythmia Gorguts, oh, yeah. um, from, uh, and he lives in Queens. So we went up to New York, all three of us. Yeah. And, uh, we did the vocals and mixed and mastered the album over the course of, I want to say a week and a half. Nice. Um, and I had also done some of the vocals at home actually. So I, I just recorded them with an SM seven over a universal audio Apollo. And essentially I was demoing all the vocals over the course of essentially from when the guitars were tracked sometime at the end of the summer. So end of the summer up until basically new years of 2020, I had been tracking and demoing all the songs and going, talking to Lily, um, working on the lyrics together, working on the vocal patterns together, the sound, the tones, yeah. all that kind of stuff. We basically collaborated on. Okay. Um, and then uh, a lot of that stuff we actually used. Those are the takes that actually made the album. Oh, nice. Um, so I brought my mic with me, and we just basically picked up where I left off. Right. Um, there was a few songs where we weren't totally decided on the parts. So, we went to, so while we were in the studio, we just kind of like, spent time trying different things, trying different voices, right. trying different rhythms, stuff like that. Nice. Um, so at that point, it was kind of, that was kind of the ideal situation for me was uh, the way that we went about recording the vocals for this album because I had done the bulk of the work at home where I was like comfortable and I could like, you know, take my time to like warm up and when I felt like my voice was tired, I could right. stop and like, you know, it's not like there was you know, a bunch of people around that were like waiting on me, stuff like that. Right. Um, so I got a bulk of the work done that way. And, uh, essentially the time we spent at Colin's place, we were just kind of like having fun with it, you know, and figuring out what worked best and just, yeah, you yeah. know, like how can we get, this is all like gr- everything we have is great stuff, Yeah. but how can we make it better? Right. And that's, to me, it's, that's the ideal situation to be in when, you're like with the, with your bandmates and yeah. you're like producing a record is like you have all it's, it's like a puzzle. You got all the pieces yeah. there yeah. and it's just putting it together Yeah. My at which head. point. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with that album. I think, uh, you know, usually a couple of weeks after I do anything, I hate it. 
but um, <laughs> yeah. not not with this album because a, a lot went into it as far as my uh, uh, my performance goes and just the energy and the effort that I put into it. Yeah, it's, um, it's, and it's just a long time coming of me, like, because I've been playing with the band live for, I mean, we're in 2020 now, and I did my first show in 2015, so. Right. Five years, yeah. five years playing live with the band without being on a record. So <laughs> I had spent five years, um, and that's also five years of maybe like, I want to say maybe like 150, 200 shows. Like we were very active. Yeah, we toured a lot, so I played a lot of shows with the band. So I spent a lot of time like really owning my voice and like figuring out like, okay, Defeated's had all these vocalists over time, and they have this whole repertoire of music and vocally it's very different from album to album right so i spent a lot of time like well one when we played live i would try to like okay when we play stuff from psalms of the morbid i'd like kind of morph my voice to sound a bit more like yens to kind of like you know like the fans want to hear those songs and i try to like kind of fit into that pocket of sound whereas they're a fan of that album so i'm gonna try to make it sound like that album more so than you know, like chapters right? Um, and vice versa. But uh, at, over the course of uh, that time, I had, while doing that process, also figuring out how to shape my voice and figuring out what my voice is in this band. Right. And kind of being able to experiment with, you know, different kinds of sounds and different kinds of vocal techniques to figure out, you know, how I can kind of carry the torch with this band and bring something new that none of the previous vocalists had had brought which i'm a fan of every vocalist in defeated sanity like they're all amazing vocalists in their own ways and they brought something really different each time each time yeah and i just i wanted to do that as well um but also be the best representation of myself at the same time and uh bring something that i was happy with too and that's it's cool that so with all the, the hard work you did before recording, you were able to experiment more and and, and find you know find your voice even more like yeah. while there with, with you know real time input from your bandmates and, and yeah exactly I feel like I feel pretty gifted because well one that's my profession is being a recording and mixing engineer so yeah. I had the means to to basically demo my vocals and make them usable for the album as opposed to like oh like most times when you de- do demo recordings they're usually kind of uh they're not professionally done so yeah, you like can't really scratch use them in track the, or something and yeah. yeah exactly scratch tracks so you can't really use them in the in the grand scheme of the full record just due to sonic quality right but i mean i mean at the same time when it comes to death metal sometimes grimier is better yeah but not for this album yeah um so i feel gifted in a lot of ways that I was able to basically spend all this time experimenting and recording and basically all of it was usable as far as the final product was concerned. Nice. There, there wasn't really much throwaway stuff. It was just a matter of, uh, you know, what works best. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Create, creating music with, uh, your, your bandmates and, and recording is, uh, I, I, I haven't played in a while, but I, I had a band I was in for about a decade and, uh, we did a few records, and that was always my favorite. Was uh, like you said, putting the puzzle pieces together and like uh-huh. 
just it's always great when it finally clicks too you know because it's a fun process to put it together but then once it clicks and you can all finally like listen to your mute like to listen to your music and not play it it's very it's a very surreal experience yeah that i feel like a lot of people don't i mean musicians obviously understand but like it's I, i mean it's it's also different from other forms of art i feel like because i mean you know, a painter or a sculptor can like look at their work of art after the fact and like admire what they did. But no forms of art to me are as dynamic as music. Right. Because, well, one, like music, can it, it's almost like a different experience every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of depending how you how you absorb it, how right. you how you take it in, you know, it's, yes. it, and- it comes in all different kinds of settings. Right. And, and, you know, there's a lot of bands that, um, you know, when they tour, they, they might have a, a new song that they wrote a week before the first date. And by mm-hmm. the end of the tour, it's a completely different song, you know, because they played yeah. it 36 times and the 28th time they were, you know, switched. Oh, yeah, totally. Something. And like that's, that. that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, a lot of. I mean, there's virtue to be had in a band. You go to see a band and you're like, oh, they sound just like the album. Right. Like, sometimes that's awesome, but like, sometimes it's like, ah, but like, you know, I paid however much money for this ticket and I yeah. just like heard the album I have at home. Right. You know, yeah. just louder. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, in certain cases is great, but in other cases, you almost want to hear a new interpretation of the music. Yeah. Um, be it just, you know, a different solo, you know, a different, like, yeah you know, a different vamp on a part or something yeah, like that, yeah. you know? Um, and I mean, I, being a, being a recording engineer, I worked with a lot of jazz musicians. Yeah. Um, and it was, I, I kind of came to love that aspect of jazz. Whereas, you know, one song is never the same. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You I know have they like... play a tune, they'll play a tune five times and it's totally different. Yeah. It's the same song at, right. at its core, but it's, it, it's different every single time. I know. I have and like, there's something beautiful about that that I never really learned to appreciate before working with uh, jazz musicians. Yeah, actually seeing it done in, in, in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. As opposed to classical, where it's you know on a paper. Yeah, you yeah. play what's on the paper. Right. That that's classical. Yeah. You know, and death metal, and uh, I mean, just to kind of go back to the death metal aspect of things, I equate death metal a lot of the time to classical music. Yeah. Being because I listen to a lot of classical music growing up. Um, and I still do. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of people agree that death metal shares a lot of, um, a lot of different traits with, uh, with classical music. I mean, Beethoven was pretty friggin' death metal at times. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just always, I don't know. Music to me is just always, it's such a dynamic art form. It's, I I don't see how anybody could ever get bored with it. Yeah. And, And you, so like you were saying, you, you, so your your job is actually you work in a, a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Well, it was. I mean, I, I work from home nowadays. I just I'm these days I'm just mixing and mastering. Yeah. Um, more so than being in the studio with people, but right. I do miss that aspect, and I hope that once uh, the world kind of returns to normal, I'm kind of able to get back out there a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, sp- and speaking yeah. of that, you you um, you were on tour with uh origin and uh who was it was in a, a one other man uh beneath other? the massacre, beneath the massacre. And, yeah uh, how, how many shows did you guys play before uh 
I want to say I want to say we got four shows in four or five. Yeah. Um, I could I could give you an exact number. Um, I can pull up the tour flyer because I mean the whole thing was almost like a like a traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, because yeah. I mean it, it just turned into so quickly it turned into an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking at the tour flyer. We got four shows in before it got canceled. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we ended in Detroit. So the Midwest kind of got a taste of that tour and then the rest just went to shit, which is sad because just after those few shows in the Midwest and just how reception was, um, how well we were doing with, with merchandise, Yeah, we knew we we were like, Oh man, this is going to be a great tour. And then no, (laughs) but Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah the it is uh, what it is. The, the whole uh, music industry has been, uh, you know, uprooted. That you know, for, and, and people don't realize. Oh you know, yeah, you know, people that work on tours that you know, guitar techs mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that are all out of work. And oh yeah, their livelihood's gone. You know, um, I mean, so as far as the music industry goes, I mean, it already was this like ever changing, ever morphing like dynamic machine that just could never get its act together right under normal circumstances yeah, and then yeah. you throw the pandemic into right. the mix and it, it it just immediately the gears just jammed yeah um because i mean the only money to be made as a musician these days is touring yeah really merch, you don't make touring, you don't make right? money from records anymore yeah. you don't make money you, you only make money from merchandise and guarantees basically right. yeah you know or if you you know you you hoard all of the um, the rider food and stuff that you get, and sell <laughs> yeah. It, so you, you don't know. have to eat, yeah. <laughs> or don't have to spend money, on it. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah, the the income for the musicians kind of just ended. Like, there's not really many other ways to make money as a musician. Yeah, and sadly, so. You guys had a lot of forward momentum, you know, with a new record out. And uh, have you guys been able to maintain that? I mean, the the record just it came out in September. Is that when it came out? Um, July, July, actually, oh, okay. end of July. End yeah, of July. Okay, so in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so it's been it's been really tough on us because we. I mean, this had been so. It, it had been anticipated for so long that you know we were going to put this album out and traditionally defeated always goes on tour um they play and, and we would play the whole album top to bottom that's just the way they've always done it yeah and that's how we were going to do it um coming up this summer we were actually going to be we were planning to be on tour when the album dropped like we right. were going to be on like our second or third show i believe right when the album came out or i can't remember exactly but it was around that time and we had a Oh, man. it just pains me because we had such a good tour plan. Yeah. And it's pointless to say what it was because it, it, it's not happening. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's always a chance that it could happen again. So I don't want to spill the beans right, on right. what the tour was. Yeah. But it was going to be so good, too. And it just it, it bummed us all out so hard. Right. Because we were all kind of optimistic at the time. Like, we were yeah. just trying to be like, oh, you know, maybe by the summer, you know? Like, yeah. oh, you know, Trump says it might be gone when the <laughs> when the hot weather comes. Maybe yeah. maybe this guy's on to something. Yeah, or the yeah. day after the election. Um, yeah, it's gonna but um, yeah, it just very quickly. I mean, as time moved on, we were like, this isn't going to be resolved by yeah. the summer. There's no way. There's no way we're touring this year. Um, 
And, it's and we didn't want to be, and we've had this discussion a bunch of times that, you know, we were basically at, at the time, we were probably one of the last bands who were on the road. Like all we, we were talking to a lot of other yeah, bands. We were, I, true, I, had, yeah. I had talked to Travis from, uh, I was talking to Travis from cattle decapitation. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my friend Obi from, uh, from pathology yeah. and all those guys were on tour or actually Travis wasn't on tour. They had a tour planned and it got canceled. Um, but Obi Pathology, they were on tour at the time, and me and him were talking like every day, like, "Oh, yo, do you got any more show cancellations?" Right. And I say every day as if this was like a week long. <laughs> right. Thing. It was only like four days. Right. But um, every day I would talk to him, and he'd be like, "Yeah, we got the, this show, this show, this show got canceled. We're thinking about just calling it today." Yeah. And we're like, "Yeah, we're kind of the same, but we're still going on." Ugh. Um, and you know, day by day, it just got more and more dismal. Like literally, the first show. It, the fourth show was our last show. The first show, everything was like kind of okay. We were like, okay, we might have it to work. Right. Second show, very dismal. Um, the third show, I think the third show was Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. The third show was Chicago. That was beneath the Massacre's last show. They were like, okay, we're whether the tour goes on, we have to go back to Canada, or yeah. we might not be able to go back. Right. Um. So, beneath the Massacre left after show three, and then just us and Origin played. Uh, the fourth show in Detroit and the rest of the tour is canceled. Yeah. And this is and up to that point, a bunch of shows had been dropping like all along right. the tour and we were like closely monitoring. We were like, can we still make this work? Like, right, right. yeah, we'll have two days off here. We'll have two days off here, but you know, we, we still have a tour trajectory that can potentially happen right. if shit doesn't hit the fan, you know? Yeah. Um, but shit very much hit the yeah, fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was in, was it right in March when that was, that was right in March. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the last show was March, March fifteenth. Uh, okay. Yeah, so like last... right when this shit hit hit the fan, really. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, the last show I saw was uh, today is the day played in uh, Providence, right at the end of oh, nice. uh, uh, end of February, like the twenty eighth, and uh, yeah, so yeah, they... basically right around that time. That's when you know the the looming darkness was the 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 dark cloud was moving. Yeah. over the over the planet you know um but yeah i mean so yeah that was a clusterfuck at the time because i mean we kind of anticipated oh you know this pandemic might get bad you know like it might it might affect the tour you might end up having to call off the tour but we were kind of just operating under the assumption that you know we're we're going to do this tour yeah so we basically get to the fourth show and the show gets canceled and like, okay, what the fuck do we do now? We're in Detroit. Yeah. Um, so we talked to a buddy of ours named Kyle. Um, he's an old drummer at Gorgasm. Okay. Uh, and he put us up at his place for a few days while we kind of figured out travel situations. We all had to get new flights. All of our other flights were a month away. So right. um, we had to tank those and try to, we had to get Louie back to, to Berlin, which right. was, uh, it was hard to find oh, him a flight. Right. Um, you know, we find a flight and then like 50, like an hour later, that flight was canceled. Right. Of course. So we'd have to find You know, it was, it was just a really painstaking process. Yeah. And the other problem we had was, uh, we were only four shows in and we had boxes of merchandise yeah. that yeah. were, that like we were stacked for basically the, like half of the tour, yeah. you know? So we had a lot of merchandise. Yeah. So we basically just took to, um, Facebook land and we're like, Hey, Help us out, like if you want the the tour that never was merch. Yeah, yeah. With tour dates that never happened, like <laughs> this is your chance. Like yeah. just, just 
take all this stuff. Yeah. So we got like hundreds and hundreds of orders. Oh, we good. made like, good. It, it, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, it was so uplifting after like all this garbage happened, you know? Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's one positive thing that's come out of this is, uh, you know, artists have become closer with their fans and they're doing. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, stuff yeah. Like the, the divide definitely became less, um, you know, everybody came down to a level of humanity, I yeah. guess you can say as yeah. far as like, you know, the fan musician dynamic. Um, but yeah, that was, that was really great for us because one, it allowed us to recoup a lot of the costs that we had basically lost from, you know, sinking money into the tour via flights and yeah. all this other stuff, the van rental, yeah, uh, printing merchandise, of course. Yeah. So we were able to actually like almost break even after all the merch nice. sales. That's good. Um, but it was, it was just really funny cause we were in this really small town in, uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember where exactly we were not Lafayette, but not far from there. Um, maybe we were in Lafayette, but, uh, and we were showing up with these big boxes of like hundreds, like <laughs> sure, maybe like hundreds, like packages at one time in this tiny little post office that probably sees like eight packages a day. <laughs> right. And the, and, and the, the, the workers at the post office were just like, not, pre- not like prepared to handle <laughs> right. this kind of, influx right. of mail awesome. so we basically like i don't we just like exhausted the u.s postal service yeah. of this entire region of indiana <laughs> <laughs> nice it was, it was it was pretty funny i mean it's it was definitely like a like kind of amusing yeah <laughs> and I, I i keep thinking about the future of you know if they say even like a year from now they say okay you know it's okay for bands to tour it's mm-hmm. gonna be like kind of a shit show because when you think of the, oh, yeah. the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of bands that are gonna want to get back on the road, there's only so yeah, many I know. venues and cities. Well, we already and, kind of we already kind of decided like because I mean we were already the the guinea pigs, you know. Right. We basically left for a tour when we weren't sure it was even right. gonna happen. Yeah, and basically it was like maybe this tour will happen, maybe we'll get sent home, or right. maybe we'll all die, you know. Um, so we were the guinea pigs. Yeah, nobody road, knew. You know, I mean, and, didn't, yeah, yeah know. exactly. Yeah. So, but you know, we had the tour tank on us, and yeah. we kind of like had to, you know, deal with what was the deal the hand that was dealt. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we've kind of decided where we're not going to be one of those first bands to be like, okay, like touring is kind of okay. Right. So let's just go for it and just yeah, kind of yeah. see what happens. Like right. we want to see other bands successfully complete a tour before yeah. we do it again. Yeah. Because we just don't want to put ourselves in that predicament again to put us in a deficit financially, because I mean, we're an underground band. We're not, you right. know, like kiss, you know, we right. can't afford to just tank a tour. Yeah, exactly. You know, that would, that would be devastating for all of us on an individual basis, you know, yeah. Your bandmates. Yeah, you know, because all of us took time off work at that point. You know, yeah. so we had already lost like two weeks of work because due to all the prep and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. Because before the tour even started, we were gone for uh probably like five days. Yeah. We had met up of yeah maybe like four or five days before to do rehearsals, get pick up all the merch, pick up the van, all that kind of stuff. Um. So yeah, we we had all kind of sacrificed a bit of work and stuff like yeah. that to get on tour in the first place so we were already starting out at a deficit right <laughs> on an individual basis yeah yeah but that's just what you do when you want to you know just yeah do exactly this for, 
usually it doesn't go to shit that badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's usually not a pandemic during the tour. But yeah, usually, yeah. <laughs> it's a rare thing. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. I I appreciate uh, you know you coming on and doing this. Uh, I've I've was doing these for a while and I haven't done one since July, so you're the the first one I've. <laughs> I've done oh, great. since then, so I've been kind of be the, the reignition. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the the future of the band is just you guys are out there, and when it's okay, yeah, to, we exist. We're still here. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the album's out, and we we've been getting really positive feedback, and uh, we did like a small little music video for one of the songs, uh, "Imposed yeah, Corporeal Habitation." We yeah. did a small little like DIY like. Yeah. Uh, you know, filmed filmed in our living rooms, uh, music video for it that did well. Yeah, and um, and what's the name of the record for the listener? Uh, the Sanguinary Impetus. And if someone wants to buy it, where you guys will get the most money out of that work? Um, can do that. You can buy it directly from us via. We have a big cartel store. We also have Bandcamp. Okay. Um, both of those are direct to band profits. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, we have a bunch of merchandise for sale. I have a big tub of, I still have actually leftover tour shirts and stuff. Yeah. That, it's just funny. Cause it's just a, like, you just look at the tour dates and I just get sad because <laughs> yeah, I was like but, so stoked for the yeah. tour too. Yeah. When you see, so I'm, City, I'm also yeah. a huge beneath the massacre fan. I've always loved those dudes and I was yeah. so stoked to be on tour with them. Yeah. And they were such cool guys. I was just like, Oh, I get to watch beneath the massacre <laughs> after our set every day. I was yeah. like, it was awesome. And, you know, after three days, Oh, no more. <laughs> Well, well, hopefully yeah. uh, we will see you guys do something. Again. Oh yeah, I mean we'll be back on yeah, the yeah. we'll be back on the trail once it's once we're able to do so. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for doing this, Josh. And of uh, course, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I will uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Cheers, bud. Bye.